All right, um, let's uh, just deal with a couple of uh, things on the front end. Um, when it comes to questions on our personnel, uh, keep them to our listed 2D depth chart. Uh, I will give you one, he uh, one, um, one note on Nigel King. Now that we have had everyone, all the troops arrive, you know, with uh, Hambe getting here and Mosby getting here, uh, our class from last year was, fil was filled up with initials. So Nigel, who was a non-recruited, who was a non-recruited player who approached us when he left Maryland, okay, is on scholarship and he falls under a term like you guys are familiar with red shirt. Well, he falls under a term called blue shirting. Okay, Nigel will count in next year's class. He's on scholarship. He's got two years to play too. He's a blue shirt, not a red shirt which means once if you have a, a non-recruited player and you have room in your 85, okay, and you don't have room in your initials for the previous year, you can legally count them forward. So Nigel is, um, there you go, Kirby. There's for your recruiting sites. There you got one person for, that's signed, sealed, and delivered for next year's recruiting class. Um, and he, as, as most of you know, he is, he's a college graduate from Maryland and he has two years to play too. And he just, he got accepted into graduate school and he's ready to go. Uh, getting forward, uh, going forward towards uh, Southeast Missouri State, you know, Coach Matukowicz just uh, came in from Toledo where he'd been the defensive coordinator for the last bunch of years. You know, uh, obviously is. In a, in a short amount of times, you know, put a staple on the team. You know, the, the first game, they were dominant in all three facets. They were dominant on offense. They were dominant on defense. And I think that he was most pleased about they were dominant on special teams because it seemed from doing the research on them that that was the area that they were most concerned uh, with going into the start of the year from the previous year. And uh, they, were, they were dominant there, too. Um, you know they have they have a, a bunch of a bunch of high effort good players. Um, you know on their defensive line Sanders, who last year actually was playing like an outside linebacker, he's moved to an end. You know so he's, they're basically using three down linemen along with Hampton and Selena. Okay, the linebackers. You know, Emonis. You know, was their top guy last year. He's their Sam linebacker. He plays on one side, and Saunders plays their buck on the other side, and Garrett and Bledsoe play inside. And then uh, their corners, you know, Hambay um, plays the boundary corner, and, you know, and Jennings plays the field corner. Davis plays the boundary safety, and either Coley or Freeman play the field safety. On offense, you know, Snyder is a veteran kid, returns as their quarterback. Uh, Jackson, and I, I know you've all watched tape of them from last year. He, for those of you who've done that, he was wearing number seven last year, but he wore number 20 in this first game. He had a, he had a big game both in, as a runner and as a pass catcher. Uh, took a screen to the house, took a run to the house. Um, he's their main guy. And then they have... They're change, two change of pace backs. McFerrin is their small guy, their small shifty guy, 
who's a change of pace back. And then Washington is their big bruiser, who's a change of pace back. You know, Larson is a regular is your regular tight end, but Coleman is the is the guy you got to keep your eye on because he's a converted running back and he he ran the ball a little bit this in, in this game, but he'll line up at fullback, he'll line up at tight end, he'll line up at edge back. They do a lot of things with him. The two main receivers, McRoberts is a six three tall kid, and then Davis is a much smaller kid, but Davis is their big play guy. He made big plays in this game. He makes them in the return game. You know, especially as a punt returner, um, he runs speed sweeps. You know, he's somebody you definitely have to account, account for. And their offensive line, I decided not to single any of them out, but I can just say that as a unit, as a unit, they play very well together. Uh, the specialist, Knights to punter, McCrum's their, their kicker. He only kicked in the first half because things went so well for them. You know, he went seven for seven on extra points, and he kicked off eight times in the first half and had four touchbacks. You know, snapper, uh, Baker handled a long snap, and Smart only had a snap once. You know, they only punted once, but uh, he was the long snapper. You know, as I said before, they used three punt returners in the game, but Davis was the first one, first punt return of the game. I think he took down to the nine-yard line. Um, Elias handled their one kickoff return, and Manny was their holder. The floor is open. Is, uh is it possible that Kevin Short could return this season? Uh, I don't see him this season. He might be back in January. There's, uh, he's not in bad standing in, in any way. He's not on the too deep, which was the first thing I said. Um, but because uh, you got a handout here, um, he has some personal issues that I can't, I can't do anything to help him, which I tried. There's nothing I can do. You know, sometimes you know, the fan base wants to, you know, look at, well, he's leaving for academics or he's leaving for social issues, that he's leaving because he had to leave. You know, it, had, it wasn't either, either, either of those choices. And, you know, we, you know, we worked to try to help as much as we could, but, you know, yesterday morning he came in and sat down with me. You know, it, 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 was, you know, it wasn't very comfortable, and he said, Coach, i got to go, so... We set it up. We got the press release ready to go. You know, set it up. He went and withdrew from school this morning, and he's currently on his way home. And that's as much as I can say. But there's a possibility that January he could be back, but it wouldn't be this semester. I'm sure this kind of late adjustment or notice or whatever it is is not ideal. Does it? We haven't been practicing. He's been practicing as a backup. Oh, okay. So really, it's it's not because this is not something that just happened yesterday. You know, this has been going on for a while. So, you know, it isn't like you know, like like we haven't been prepared for this. We've you know, we've been prepared for weeks. So this is not something that just you know, you know just hit yesterday. Since the since your last game last year, uh, if you were to discuss the player or the players who've improved the most, what names might come up? Well, I think that let's talk about the player who has to improve the most, and that's the quarterback. You know, I think that for us to win football games, not to be better or to be more competitive, but for us to win more football games, it starts with the guy with the ball in his hands on every play. You know, our, our completion percentage was crummy. 
he he was part of that. Okay, and everyone else was part of that too. Coaches, players, everyone. Um, I think you're. I think that right now he's a confident, bordering on cocky, and that that is a that that's a good place to be. And I never saw that at any time last year. You know, I think just just happy to be out there was one thing. Maybe not happy to be out there for that matter, but. Uh, I see, think you're going to see a different kid. So I think that'd be the best place to start on offense. And defensively, I could pick a, you know, we've got so many of these guys that are back. You know, I think that the secondary, you know, is, is, is rock solid. I think that the guy who you, you see is a little bit of a surprise to you right now, starting at Nichols, Tevin Shaw, I think he probably was the one who's been the most pleasant surprise. You know, we had to find a place. We had to find a way to get him on the field. You know, and that's why we, instead of him being the third or fourth safety along with Fish, you know, what, what we did is we moved him. We moved him down to nickel, and he's actually going to start at nickel in the game. It's more about him then instead of Greg. I mean, Greg was a big Tevin. Player. Just had it. Kevin, Tevin, and Fish. You know, both have had great camps. It's just those two guys playing ahead of them are better than him. You know, so, you know, Fish can play either safety. So even though Alex is listed in the two deep, you know, Fish would really be the first guy in at safety. Okay, and, and we, we had to find a way to get both those guys on the field more because they've done enough, you know, from the first day of camp to warrant getting on the field. What was... <clears throat> The deciding factor in that center battle between Hotman and Joe. It wasn't close. Really? You talked previously about Hotman's strength being something that really made him stand out there. Yeah, well, he, you know, he's stronger, and at this stage of the career, he's stronger and more athletic, okay. and and has played against better players. That's you know, that's three big you know. Jump starts. I think Joe's got a big upside. I think he, you know, he's just he's behind, clearly behind Keon. About the line as a, as a whole, uh, those guys were mostly in those same spots throughout the spring. N not mostly. That was the spring. Oh right, yeah. You know, so we talk about continuity. You know, everyone talks about continuity. We'll look at it. They played together the whole spring, and now they've played pretty much together the whole the whole camp. And I think that, you know, you're always tr striving for continuity. If you go back and list it, spring ball, the starting five guys, it's the same five guys. Now, you know, there's a couple guys. Larry's on the rise. You know, Jordan Shelley Smith's getting bigger every single day. I mean, he, he, I mean he's already running second tackle. You know, Hosopel thinks that before the year's over, he's going to be between 270 and 280 because he's eaten like, like a man possessed. I've done that before. <laughs> Charlie, what are some of the pros and cons maybe of, of not playing in week number one? Well, first of all, you're miserable not playing. And I said that I said that the other day, you know, when everyone else in the free world is playing and you're not, okay, you know, that you know, it's really antsy because you're sitting there watching T V and you're watching every game. I mean, and you, th you think about all those games are on, and if you, and if you have the right TV packages, 
it, you know, you even, it, it's even worse. I mean, you can watch it from early morning till late at night. It's just terrible. You know, you'd rather just go get, be getting ready to play in the game. But with that being said, okay, people talk about buys. Let me go all the way back to July. They finished summer school July 25th. If you're playing the first week, they're, they're reporting about five days later. So now they've gone through back-to-back -back sessions of summer school with no vacation. Okay, and boom, school's starting. I think the fact that they get to go away for 10 days and come, ba come back, okay, kind of psychologically gives you a little bit of a reprieve because you only could have 29 practices before, before your first game. It doesn't make any difference when you're playing. And you know, you're only dialed up for so many days that you can come in before your first game. So uh, that and the fact that we lost those two running backs, you know, it gave you an opportunity to get those other two guys, you know, all the first team reps uh, collectively between the two of them and to try to be, come into a game a little healthier than normally you would be when you're coming out of camp. I think you'll see, you're going to see a whole bunch of both of them. Can you handicap both of them? What the strengths, weaknesses are? Then well, I mean, I mean, Corey is Corey actually is probably the better athlete. DeAndre is probably the better football player. Okay, but Corey's upside's through the roof. DeAndre DeAndre is ready for prime time. You know, he's built with that body to take a big 12 pound, and that's what that's what his body is. If you look at his body, you know. You know, a little short in stature, but, you know, he is just a rocked-up dude. And I think that, you know, it really is not really that important to me which one of those guys is in there because we feel very confident about both of them. Jerry, you said you're confident in your running backs, but are you curious to see how they respond, both those guys having not played at all? I'll be surprised if they don't play well. I'll be surprised. I'm curious, you betcha, but I'll be, you know, I think that you also have to now weigh in what your expectations are, you know, and my expectations would be for them to play very well. How about the, uh, the area of pass blocking? I mean, that's something maybe people don't think about, but are you confident? You don't have a lot of just size at that position. Uh, size, size really isn't that relevant, Preston, you know, the Denver Broncos won a bunch of championships with everyone weighing 280. Okay, that, that the size really isn't important in pass blocking. Okay, it's, it's fundamentals and techniques and cutting and getting your hands on people, not getting beaten around the edge. I mean, there aren't too many people just overpower people. It doesn't happen that often. You know, you do, you get bull rushed sometimes. But that's only one technique that people use, and they usually don't use it that often. By the way, by the, by the way, if you put Larry in there, that now is a moot point, okay? Because he's trimmed down to two six, three sixty. So I mean, there's plenty at six seven and a half. I think there's plenty of size, you know. Would a running back size matter for pass blocking? No, not really. The best pass blocker. I think I've ever dealt with was Dave Meggett, and he weighed soaking wet 180. I mean, he was he was as good as I've ever coached.
Coach, you talked about Montel's borderline cockiness heading into the season. Can you notice a change in the uh, confidence level of the entire team heading into year three? Well, I said confident bordering on cocky. Okay. So let's let's start with confident. I think that he uh, it was interesting in camp. He started off on fire. And then he had this little lull right in the middle of camp. And I actually pulled way off of him for a couple of days after this little lull because I thought his arm was tired. And then since he's since that I mean, it's, he's been on fire, knock on wood, you know, because I'm a superstitious person. But when you're on fire, it means you're completing most of your passes. That means everyone around you is feeding off of that. So I think that right now, you know, look, we haven't played a game, and we're 0-0 like everybody else, and we know, we know what's happened in the past, but we're only worrying about going ahead and getting this going Saturday night at 6 o'clock. That's what we're worried about. I think Joe Deneen's ready to play in the game. And I'll only say that because they're 1-1A. One one that means that Joe Deneen would be a 2, okay? But he's ready to play in the game. And, you know, hey, look, it, I could play Ed Fink and I could play Aaron Plump in the game and they'll be dressed for the game. And if I need to use them, I could use them and they know what to do. But I think Joe Deneen is, is, is the, the, you know, clearly the next guy in. And he's ready to play in the game. He knows what to do. And... He's been, you know, since we moved him to from defense to offense, he's just got, he's just continued to get better. Has Nigel King had enough time to get up to speed? Actually, Nigel's running like one A, not one. Where actually, you'll see Nigel playing on both the right side and the left side in the game. You know, Nigel's very close to bumping somebody that's already ahead of him. Well, first of all, you don't worry about those players. You only worry about the two that got hurt. The rest of them, you know, the rest of them, that's part of playing football. You, you know, getting hurt's part of it. My biggest thing was for them to be there for the two guys who got hurt, not for them worrying about themselves. Look, we were running four, we were rolling four guys through, through the whole camp, and they were playing equal amounts, all four of them. So what happened is the depth chart, they, them getting hurt made it, you know, clarified the depth chart. Because now you weren't rolling four guys through, you were rolling two guys through. So now you had to be a little bit more careful the rest of training camp, you know, to make sure that you came out of training camp with those two guys being healthy and nothing happened to those guys. So needless to say, they weren't, you know, they weren't getting hit a lot for the rest of that camp after those first two guys went down. Say that again. How much did that week help Jermaine Von Dyne recover from the Yeah, Jermaine's been practicing for a couple of weeks. So, you know, he he was only out for about a week and a half, you know, before he was back back going again. So he recovered quickly. And, you know, what that allowed us to do is not have to overload him with reps too early. We could, you know, because we had an extra week, we could kind of ease him into it instead of throw him into it. 
But trust me, if we had to play a week early, he wouldn't have gotten eased into it. You know, he would have gotten thrown into it. But uh, I wouldn't have done it if they didn't say he was medically ready to go. So if you're some true freshman on the depth chart, um, would they have a chance of playing seven? I think they'll all play. If they're on the depth chart, you should expect to see them in the game. He was better than any other guy. Throughout um, They were even for a while. You know, they were pretty close for a while. But at the end of the day, you know, he had a week last week when, when you know, he was up and he went five for five. And we haven't had that from either one of them. You know, um, Wyman's leg's probably a little stronger, but Duvick's more accurate. And in this case, I'll pick accurate. You know, I'll, I'll side with accuracy. You said yesterday morning on the, the Big 12 call that... You listen to that? Oh, yeah. Every time. <laughs> you got nothing better to do when you're holding. I listen you to got nothing. Hold on. Hold on a second. You got nothing better to do on Labor Day but to listen to the Big 12 call. Really? Game time. Really? Okay. Go ahead. Ask your question. Now. Uh, well, you mentioned that, you know, it, it, it's hard to get too excited or too low or read too much into week one. Um, but, but for this team and, and just where you guys want to go, do you feel like it's important to make a statement or, or have a you know a strong effort out of the gate? Well, let's let's throw out the statement comment. Okay. You know, because I think it's important for us to play well in all three facets. Sure. And you, the fans would like you to play well for them, but I think psychologically you got to play well for you. Okay, because I think that for our team, look at. I'm cognizant of the fact that last year we were going against a FCS team and it's 14 to seven at halftime. Right. Uh, I, you know, I was there too. Okay, I think that, you know, you have to be respectful of your opponent. Okay, they just won 77 to nothing. They could have won 100 to nothing if they want, wanted to. You know, he was nice about it, you know, in, in that facet. But I think it's important for the psyche of our team for us to play well. I think if we come out and have a sloppy opener, you know, a win is still a win if that were the that's the case, but a sloppy opener doesn't help the psyche of the team. Charlie, you talked about the experience on this year's team. How did that maybe manifest itself throughout the ball team? Kevin, I think the thing that I liked the best were commitments from players who stepped up and gave up things that were that they didn't like about themselves publicly to the team. I had a bunch of guys that, you know, that on our team saying, this is what I do wrong off the field. I'm not doing that anymore. And and I think when the players do that on your own on their own with you not there, okay, it clears up a lot of things where you get many more people getting focused on the only thing that's important. Look, we got a bunch of older guys now, and they're tired of losing. So there's there's only one there's only one way to do it is work your way out of it. That's that's it, is to work your way out of it. And a lot of the front line guys were the guys I'm talking about. They're not like the down the line guys. So a lot of the front line guys stepped up and said, "Here's what I'm going to do to help us win." And that kind of you know one guy did it, then the next guy did it, and next thing you know, there's 30 of them doing. You know, and you know, it was it was 
a good situation for us in the summertime. Did they pass that message along to the younger guys? Oh, that was very evident, you know, because they're doing it in front of everyone, and the young guys usually come in here. They don't, they know better not than to even open their mouths. And they don't say anything because if they do, you know, we never have to say anything because the older guys usually take care of that. You know, I don't believe in any freshman hazing and everything, but I do believe a freshman keeps their mouth shut until they've earned the right to say something, which means that none of them have opened their mouth yet. So how much would you judge the success of this season based on the win-loss record at the end of the year? Is that a rhetorical question? No. It's not? I'll have to sit on that one here for a second. I think that our players will be very disappointed if they don't win a significant number of games more than we have than we did last year. That is as politically correct of response as I could give for that. But I think that I think that Kansas football at this stage is not about being just being respectable. I mean, we all want to win, starting in this building. I'm sure there's no substitute for actual game day and, and going through it in that manner, but are you pretty comfortable with your knowledge and your feel of, of how John's going to call his game and, and how that's going to be on, on Saturday? Yeah, it's kind of been kind of refreshing to tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of t most of the days in practice, I wouldn't even wear a headset. Okay. You know, because I don't want to hear what he's saying. Right. Now, there's other days where I'll listen to everything he says. Then afterwards, I'll sit down with him and say, "Slow down." So, so you don't have to say, you know, the personnel group 15 times. You know, like 11 is a personnel. You know, he'll go 11, 11, 11, 11, 11. I said, you know, okay, we got it. It's 11. You know, we got it. You know, but uh, I don't, you know, now there's every once in a while after a practice, I'll say, you know, what are we trying to do here? You know, but, you know, when, when you're installing and you're not game planning, you don't second guess anything because maybe that play wouldn't be good against that defense, but you also wouldn't be calling it against that defense. You're just putting it in. It would be, be kind of fun to watch. Yeah, a couple of years ago, you first play the your KU career it was the, the, the flea flicker uh, from Dane to Kale Pick. You said you had that dialed up for months. Uh, obviously, you won't be calling the first play, but philosophically speaking, are you, hey, if you can run it 90 times on Saturday and, and that's all you need to do to win, will you do well, that? Well, let's just say this. In the past, you know, in the past, this coaching staff and this defense has very often rushed three and dropped eight mm -hmm. in the past. They didn't do that so much that in the first game, but in the past. Well, if they rush three and drop eight, we should be running it on every single play. We should never throw it. And that would be the same philosophy I would have, you know, against <laughs> against everyone. If they want to drop eight, you know, you know how small those windows get when you when they're dropping eight. You know, uh, but they mixed it up a lot more in this this game and. They played odd. They played bare. They played even. You know, they you know they played multiple fronts in the game. You know, all all things we're gonna have to be ready for. Charlie, the inside end, it looks like Ben has done some things 
You know, Jemay is clearly the first guy, and the thing is, after Jemay, everyone brings something, one element better than the other. Like Ben is the more athletic, you know, he's, he's, he's the more athletic of the backups. Um, Trent is the more physical of the, uh, of the backups. So, I mean, I think that you'll see all those tight ends and, and end up playing when it's, when it's all said and done. You don't see a, an offensive lineman who's a true freshman on a depth chart too often. Is that a credit to how much you like Junior Vicenia or the lack of depth? We're, we're really high on Junior. We have older guys, older guys on the team, you know, that – that, that we recruited that we could be playing ahead of them, but just not that are physical and tough, and not physical and tough and huge human beings like he, like he is. No, he's so proud of himself, you know, because he's, he's trimmed down. As a matter of fact, he even wanted to make sure that Katie had changed his weight on the online, you know, because he was feeling so much better about how much weight he had dropped. But I'm like, we, you know, John is really, really high on on where this is heading with Junior. How much weight did he drop? He's probably dropped 30, would you say? He's probably dropped about 30 so far. And I bet you by next season he'll drop another 20 or 30. I mean, you can't do it all at once, but, I mean, it's he, he feels a lot better about himself physically. With a faster tempo offense, is it more important for the linemen to be able to – is it hard for them to be able to get to the No, because they don't have to huddle. They're just standing at the line of scrimmage. After a play's over, they just stand at the line of scrimmage and wait for the quarterback to say something to them. You know, where everyone else has to get lined up and every – you know, all the skilled guys are all looking for the signal. Not the linemen, though. They don't look for the signal. So they just waddle back to the line of scrimmage and get ready for, you know, like they're like trained pigs, you know. They waddle back to the line of scrimmage and they, they, get, their, they get their command and they go play the next play. Did you expect this many true freshmen to crack the table? Well, there were a couple of guys we were counting on. I'll give you a guy who really has played – just great in camp, and that's Botang. Now, Botang, you know, we had for a while, he was starting, he actually, we were starting him at nickel. So, I mean, not only has he played corner, but he's played nickel, and he could play both those positions, and, and, and he doesn't look like a freshman when he's in there playing. So, if, if you were out of all those guys, the guy, you know, Kyron, everyone knew about Kyron some, so that would come as no surprise. Corey, Everyone knew about him some, especially after the injuries, so that will come as no surprise. You know, but, you know, Junior, you know, people probably would be surprised at all of a sudden him being in there. And then, you know, Botang, you know, people would be a little bit surprised with him too. So, I mean, there's some guys in here. Uh, I'll tell you what, we like all four of those young receivers, but you're going to see both Neil and Hartsog in the game. They're both, they're both going to show up in the game. What do you like about those two guys? Uh, they don't look like they don't play like freshmen. Now they look like freshmen. You know, uh, I mean Neil, we might have, we might have to stuff some stuff in his pockets or something like that. But uh, he, but he plays good. You know, I said both those guys will be on the field, and given the opportunity, Neil will get on the field as a punt returner. 
And given the opportunity, Hartzog will get on, on the field as a kickoff returner. I'm hoping Hartzog doesn't get a lot of action, in other words. Whereas Neil, I'm hoping that he does get a lot of action. Is it Damon Martin's move to the outside, did it click right away or take a while, or is he still? Actually, he's been, you know, just gotten better through the spring and in training camp because we thought for a while, well, do we need to move him back into guard? I mean, he was clearly the best right tackle. Because if he wasn't clearly the best right tackle, the, you know, it would have been interesting to see what the competition would have been at right guard if it was him and, and Smithberg fighting for a right guard. But, you know, when you were putting out the five best guys, three guys that were definitely in it from the whole way were Appa, Smithberg, and Damon. So it, it's kind of good that, you know, that Damon could end up handling that spot because we could go ahead and keep it like that the whole time. What's the biggest difference between Lewandowski um, now versus last year trying to play left tackle physically? Um, he didn't have anywhere near the confidence that he has now. He just wasn't a, you know, he was, he had been a defensive con convert. And then, you know, he had bounced around and center didn't work out so well. And tackle was new to him and everything like that. But, you know, you know, I think that by by how they practice, they all look, um, you know, they all look to Nalo as as a leader by by example, but verbally, clearly, the leader of the offensive line is Pat. He's the guy who's kind of taken the offensive line, you know, under his wing, whereas Nalu does it more. By by his actions, where Pat has been very vocal, and I don't think we ever got that from him ever, once, last year. Which is there's no irony in the fact of that Matt that he got picked on a leadership committee right. by by his teammates. Sure. I mean that wasn't by chance. I mean they obviously viewed him that way. It was, and it would have surprised me if you would have said last year that Pat would be on the leadership committee. But after this camp, it didn't surprise me at all that they that he got that number of votes. Is that a good thing out there in terms of during the game on the on the fly like that? I mean, obviously you would want your center to know everything too and make calls left and right. But can the left tackle do it from that spot? Well, because you're standing at the line of scrimmage, waiting a lot of times for all the other stuff to go go on. Sure. There's plenty of communication that goes on with those guys before you even get to a play. You know, so yeah, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Talked about how Kozar was on fire this fall. How much credit do you give to the experienced wide receivers that are the new additions to the court? Well, I think that well, let's let's say that I think that let's start with John and Ron. You know, the guys coaching him. I think that you know things have you know cleared up for him nicely. You know, this offense fits him. You know, fits him and and his skill set. And I also think he's got better players playing around him. You know, so the combination of, you know, Harwell being in there in the slot and Tony being a full-time wide receiver, you know, start just starting with those two guys on every single play. You know, and then you got, you know, you got McKay and you got Coleman and you got, you got Nigel and you got Trey. I mean, you got a bunch of, you know, a bunch of guys who have a clue. And we've all seen it for the last couple of years since I've been here. And, you know, the passing game's been anemic. 
And I have no problem being a, to, to being the head of the taking the blame crew. But, I mean, it just hasn't worked well from, you know, from the quarterback and the receivers and, you know, all the skilled guys and the offensive line and the coaching and everything else. And I think that this just is a better fit. How have you seen Cozart and Harwell's relationship grown the past couple of weeks or since spring even? Well, I've been around a couple of good quarterbacks before. You know, this isn't the first, my first rodeo. And when quarterbacks start looking for a guy, it's because they know that they're probably going to be open most of the time. And they, can, and they know when they throw it to them, they're usually going to catch it. And I think that that's what Nick has brought to this team. This team hasn't had since I've been here. You know, you know, now he's a four or five guy, which is fast enough. Okay, but he gets open and catches the ball. And he did it before he got here. So it should come as no surprise that he's doing it here now. Coach, how's the progress of the defensive line going here? I think that we, we feel that we have about – for three positions, excluding the buck position, we have about seven or eight guys that we feel that, that we could rotate in there. And in the past, we would have a tough time trying to get to six. Is there an area you can look at to say what you had hoped you'd be You know, we haven't played anyone yet, Tom. So I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough to tell. You know, do I have some areas of concern? Yeah, I, I wouldn't voice them, but I do have some areas of concern. But when you had so many things that were areas of concern, and some of them you feel so much better about, you know, now you're worrying about less things. And I think that that, that in itself is is a good thing. Do I still have, you know, have restless nights worrying about this or that? Yeah, I do. Okay, just I think, like I said before, for the sake of being redundant, there's just less of them that I worry about now. You know, last year at this, uh, last year at this time, you know, you wondered whether or not the passing game even had a chance. I don't feel that way anymore. You know, you're worried about, well, are all these guys on defense going to pan out? I think our defense is going to be pretty salty, to tell you the truth. You know, I think if our offense could score enough points, we'll have a chance to win a whole bunch of games. When, when you have fewer areas, can you then do a better job of camouflage? Yeah, you could hide. You could hide more. The, the first thing, though, that hides the sins is the athletic quarterback. More than any other position, that's the first way you can hide. You know, hide some problems. And that has not been our M.O. for the last two years. So I think he, I think he's played well. And Mike, be honest with you, is not a big drop-off behind him either. And be honest, behind him, T.J.'s not a big drop-off from Mike. Uh, so, for, you know, we're going into the season feeling pretty good about the quarterback position. And that really has been probably the biggest nightmare over the last couple of years of what's going to happen What's going to happen at this position? How is this going to play out? Coach, 
Oh, I was at the game. Nice. Yeah. He didn't throw an intentional wild pitch. If he tries to play off like he did that on purpose, he's a liar. Okay. He was just trying to throw a high, hard one right down the middle to Cassius, and he hit Big J right in the head. Okay. And then I accused him of trying to get on the on the not top ten of ESPN because it was you know he because I just couldn't imagine. I've seen some bad first pitches, but that ranks right up there with one of the worst of all time. No, but I understand with one some, you know, according to Katie, he was politicking for running back time with somebody right there. By the way, that won't happen. Okay, but uh, I heard he was politicking with somebody. With a little help. Pardon me? With a little help. Charlie, can you talk about how Michael Cummings is the backup now behind Montel, the battle Well, first of all, Montel was much more accurate than both those other guys. You know, so before you even talk about their athleticism, which Montel has the most of that too, okay, the fact that, you know, accuracy at the quarterback position is, is the primary, primary deal. Now, in the battle between Michael and TJ, you know, TJ does a great job of running the operation. He's greatly improved. You know, but Michael, this this offense kind of fits Michael very well too. You know, and Michael st still has a cannon for still has a cannon for her arm. He just not as as accurate as as Montel is. Yeah. 